If you have your copy of God's Word, please turn to uh, Psalm 77. Psalm 77. Uh, we are continuing to kind of go through a little series on the Psalms here on, on Sunday night. Uh, I'll be in Psalm 77 tonight, and then next Sunday we'll have uh, John Whitaker is going to be teaching, one of our uh, interns. He's going to be teaching on Psalm 78, so it should be a, a good word uh, for us as well. I'm going to read the entire chapter, and I'm just going to pray one more and one more time, ask God to ready our hearts uh, to hear his word. Psalm 77, beginning in verse 1. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day the trouble of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. And my spirit may delight a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn me forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? And I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the world when your lightnings, lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Father, we, we thank you so much that you are our one who is strong in the midst of our troubles. So God, as we walk through this text, I pray that if there's anyone here going through a trial this evening, God, that they would be encouraged. And I pray that those of us who are, are entering a trial, that will be in one soon, oh God, I pray that you would use this text to give us hope, even in the midst of our darkest days. We ask this humbly and gratefully in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We begin a Psalm 77. Again, it's a Psalm of Asaph. We don't know the full details of what's happening here in terms of the reason that this psalmist is, is crying out to God. We don't know if it's specifically Asaph who's, who's kind of cultivating this from his own heart or is he speaking on behalf of, of the people. But it is a, a very emotional psalm. Uh, we begin with this. The first, the first thing we see is the, the cry of trouble. The cry of trouble, beginning in verse 1. I cry aloud to God. Aloud to God and he will hear me. 
I think sometimes we, we, we forget the passion in which the psalmist speaks. When he's saying here, I cry aloud, he really means he cries aloud. This is not a, a mere whimper. This is a, a calling out to God from, the, from the, to the depth of his being. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's audibly crying out to God, although it could be. I don't know, there's, there's been times in, in my life when I have been, been so um, overwhelmed, so in angst that I have visibly and loudly called upon the Lord, asking him to come in power, because I didn't know what else to do. There's been other times when I've been in so, so much grief and so much anguish in times of trouble that my cry was not audible, and yet it was very loud. I think we all have been in, in, those, in those moments. Now, the first thing that we should be reminded of is that God wants us to cry to him, that God is a loving, tender, heavenly father, and he wants us to cry out to him. He wants to hear our, our cries. Expressing your heart's desire is freeing to the soul. If you read through the, uh, the, the, the Psalms and get on into the New Testament, this idea of confession is, is lifting, right? When we hold things in, it bottles up. Now, we know this in marriages. There's times when we have certain things going on in our marriages and we can just overlook them. Uh, we know that Love covers over a multitude of sins. And there's other times if we don't confess or, or cry out to our spouse, it just kind of sits and harbors. And then eventually it just all comes out at once. And that's not good. All right? So it's good to kind of talk those, those things out. Here it's good and freeing to call those things out to the Lord. Whatever trial you're facing, God wants to hear your cry. Cry aloud to the Lord. Because it says, He will Hear me. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That, that we have direct access to God through the, the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus Christ, when he died, the curtain torn too, as, we, as Rich shared uh, on, on Wednesday night, when he shared it with the Muslims, the curtain tore, torn too. Christ, uh, the Spirit, bursts out of the Holy of Holies and now has access uh, to everyone who would repent and trust in Christ. God hears the prayers of his people. We think of 1 John 5 when, when it says that if we... If we Pray according to the Lord's will. He hears us. And if he hears us, we have what we ask for. How good is it to know that we have a God that inclines his ear to the righteous? Psalm 34. God likes, delights to hear the prayers of his people. In verse 2 it says, In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. I pray that would be for all of us. Whatever trouble you're facing, that would be the first place that we go, is that we go to the Lord. You know, whether that is, is an issue with our job, an issue with our finances, an issue with our, our health, that in the day of our trouble, we go to the Lord. Now, the trouble that we face today sometimes is great. Now, the trouble that the, the, the saints faced uh, in years past really was a lot more life and death. There was, it was war. It was, it was conquest that was surrounding them. It was deep, deep anguish that their life may be snuffed out. Yet, there's times when we know that we may get a diagnosis of, of cancer. Uh, there's many of you in this room who have gotten that diagnosis. Uh, many of you have, have gotten that diagnosis to, to a spouse and watching them struggle for life. But it says here, in the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. Let that be a commitment before it happens. My old, an old friend of mine, Harry Flaherty, he was uh, from New Jersey, he used to be a uh, college or an NFL football player with the, um, the Dallas Cowboys. He said there's three kind of people in the world. Those who are going into a problem, those who are in a problem, or those who are coming out of a problem, right? And I think it's a pretty true statement. 
So whatever, whatever day that the problem comes, the trouble comes, I pray that you would seek the Lord. It says, in the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. This is the kind of anguish that even a, a, the night doesn't stop. It's keeping you up at night. You're calling unto the Lord. You're crying out for God to be there. You know this is, is a deep thing because there are certain times in our life we have problems, right? And the problem may kind of come and go. It's kind of there. It's maybe kind of one of those nagging problems. You know, it's kind of like a, maybe a, an old football injury. It kind of comes up here and there. But then there's other things when it's there all the time. And it's so intense, you can't look away. You can't sleep. You, you can't think about anything else because it grips you. My first year here as a pastor, I didn't talk about it much. Um, but one of a, a dear family friends, their marriage just fell apart. And these were friends that were more like family. And I can, I can remember sitting in this seat before preaching, sobbing. We'd be singing, and I would sit, be sitting here sobbing, thinking about that family. It had nothing to do with the message that I was going to preach, but my heart was in anguish. My heart was, was in so much grief for, for my former church, for, for the life of um, my friend who was struggling with sin, for, for my wife who was best friends with this woman. It was just an awful season. And there was many nights where we couldn't sleep. We just stayed up at night crying uh, because of the terror there. And that's the thing to kind of the emotion here. And isn't it encouraging to know that we see people in the Bible who have these kind of troubles? Not every Christian should be happy. You know, one of the challenges of the, 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 the modern contemporary Christian music movement that kind of happened in the 80s and and 90s, is that it really designed the Christian life as only happy and only kind of upbeat. But the Psalms, the scriptures, don't always communicate that, do they? Do we leave a place in our public worship for grief, for lament, for mourning? Do we, do we, do we leave space in our own life for people who are struggling with that kind of, kind of real deep-hearted problem? Do we leave opportunities for them to share? A couple of years ago, I was talking to a woman who was, uh, her son was dealing with drug addiction. And she shared it with a friend, and her friend didn't know what to do. She said, hey, my son is struggling with, with, with heroin addiction. And all she could do was just be silent. She didn't know how to comfort her friend. She didn't know how to give her an opportunity. Do we have that kind of relationships, that bandwidth in, in our relationships here, where if people shared their, their heart with us, they would be ready for a quick answer? Would we help them go to Psalm 77 and seek the Lord here? Verse 3, it says, When I remembered God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. So we see here this, this calling out to God, this cry, is really, in many ways, a questioning of God. Is God in control. If this is happening in my life, is God real? Is God good and is God wise? Those are things that happen in our life that cause us to question. We see it here. We're asking for, we should ask for relief, but we should also ask how and why the Lord brought the circumstance. Here, what the, the psalmist is immediately worried about is, is the circumstances. Let these circumstances change. And listen, when we are going through trials, what do we want? 
We want the circumstances to change. And there's nothing wrong with that. And yet, and yet, what do we also want? We want God to teach us. We want God to train us in righteousness through our trials. So encouraged. Uh, I was talking to, to Rich earlier, and he, he brought up Deuteronomy chapter 8. And when Deuteronomy was, uh, chapter 8 speaks of the, the, the Israel wandering in, in, in the wilderness. And it says that God humbled them to test what was in their heart. He wanted to expose the things that were in, in their heart. He gave them trials so that they would know where they stood with the Lord. It's the same picture we get in 1 Peter chapter 1. Is that God wants to give you trials so that when you stand fast in the midst of those trials and come out on the other end, you can, you can exalt and praise and give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ because you know you're one of His. Because if you hold fast to Him in the midst of your trial. We see James 1.12, Blessed is the man who stands steadfast in the, main, in, the na- uh, in the face of trial, for they will receive the crown of life. There's a beauty that comes with standing in the midst of trial. And yet here, the psalmist is primarily worried about his own circumstances. Not growing, not learning about the Lord. It says, when I, when, I, when I remember God, I moan. He's not trying to learn from the Lord. Even, even here, the lack of sleep is, is meant to teach the psalmist something. We, we see this kind of go on in verse 4. We see the, the contemplation of trouble. Uh, he's starting to really contemplate what this trouble is bringing. You see in verse 4, it says, You hold my eyelids open. You keep me up at night. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I, I, I'm so bereft, I don't even know what to say. You get the picture of Job here, right? After losing his, his family. He just sat with his friends for days. And no one said a word. And it says in verse 5, I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate it in my heart. Apparently this psalmist would, would sing songs at night to meditate and glorify God. I don't know if you guys ever do this. Um, I highly recommend everybody have a hymnal. Okay? If you want an old hymnal, ask me. We have plenty to give you. And here's what I recommend and encourage you to do. Is take that hymnal, open it up, and sing to the Lord. You may need to go and find a quiet place like I do, <laughs> right? Where no one else is around. But there's something very beautiful to the heart when you sing to the Lord. Uh, many, many days, the way I prepare my own heart to preach is I get a hymnal or I just sing hymns out of memory. And I just sing unto the Lord, right? I meditate on his goodness. That's what the psalmist is saying here. He Listen, I'm, I'm remembering when days were good. He's still focusing on his circumstances. I remember the, the days ago when God was, was kind to us, when we were in a good place, when we, had, we didn't have financial troubles. We, 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 we were in a, a good, in a good church. There was no conflict. Life was good. Life was sweet. Why can't we go back there, Lord? And remember, in, when God is working there, as he's working here, God wants to bless you in prosperity. God wants you to show you his presence. But he also wants to show you his presence in the midst of trial. And we know that those of us who've, who've experienced deep-hearted trial, that's when God grows us the most. Because that's when we are forced to, to cling to God and we can go nowhere else. Time and time again, we see in the scripture, someone prospers. Someone is, is, is God is blessing abundantly. What happens to them? They turn their back on the Lord. That's what happens with prosperity. 
the real test of this life is that we, when God blesses us, we'll return away from him. So this, the psalmist is longing back for the days ago, to the days long ago when God was blessing him. And then we see from verse 7 to, to 9, really, this psalmist questioning the character of the Lord. We see the, the, the main name of the Lord was given in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. If you kind of read through the Psalms, they're kind of this, this phrasing of how the Lord identifies himself is all over the place. So in, in Exodus 34, um, the Lord passed before Moses and said, this is my name. This is the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and children's children to the third and fourth generation. So God identifies his name. He is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love, keeping his promises. And listen to what we see here in the psalm. He's questioning the name and the character of God Almighty. He says, will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Right? Will the Lord show us his favor? Verse 8, has his steadfast love forever ceased. But the Lord defines himself as love, as the one who keeps steadfast love. And here it says, has his steadfast love ceased? Has it stopped? Everything I see around my life, I don't think I see God's presence. Are his promises at an end for all time? The, the, the identification of the Lord says he keeps steadfast love. He keeps his promises his word never returns void. And what we see here, the psalmist is, is doubting whether or not God's promises are going to come true. Now, I have to say this because we live in this, this, this era, and we live in the era of the prosperity gospel. There's a lot of promises that people believe in that are nowhere in Scripture. right? Health, wealth, and, and happiness for the rest of your life. That God has promised you all these things, and if you don't have all these things, then you lack faith. That is nowhere in the Bible, right? God promises to be in your midst. God promises to keep you until that day. There's many wonderful promises in, in the Bible, but uh, having everything that you want is not one of them. This psalmist looks around and says, has God's promises stopped? Have they come to an end? Has God forgotten to be gracious? It says that God is merciful and gracious. Has, here it says, has God forgotten to be gracious? Has his anger shut up his compassion? And we know from the scripture it says that God is, is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, abounding in compassion. And yet what we see here, this psalmist is questioning, has God's anger against us shut up his compassion? He's contemplating the character of God and he doesn't see it. So I think this is kind of you see how the, how the psalm ends is really how we should think about the Lord, right? There's this beginning cry out to God. There's this contemplation. There's this wrestling. Uh, one commentary said it's the, the failings of memory, point one. Point two, the failing the failings of memory again, right? 
the memory is failing about all the faithfulness of God because God is faithful all the time. He's always working, always working for our good. And this is how, how the psalmist ends, is this, is this appeal, remembering how God has worked in the past. But not just how God has worked, but who God is, his character. Look at verse 10. It says, Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. So he's, he's talking about what he's struggling with. He's struggling with the character of God, struggling with different things going on in his life. And here he stops and he says, this is my appeal that I'm going to cling to, that I'm going to hold on to, is the, is the powerful right hand of God Almighty. That's what I'm going to hold on to, of God Most High. It says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. This is the same thing we looked at this morning, Revelation chapter 2. It's a different way that we, that we looked at this idea of remembering. But it says that you have abandoned the love you had at first. So what does the Lord tell you to do? Remember, remember how you have fallen and then repent. We have to remember. This is what the same thing we do here. Remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. From, from long past until now, how you have worked. But not how you have worked just in the lives of, of history, but how have you worked in my life? How you have saved me? How you gave me parents who love me? How you still given me a family? Right? Have you given me, me children? You've given me healthy children. You've given me air in my lungs right now. You've given me strength with my hands and feet. There's so many ways that God has, has blessed us. Now we can focus only on the negative things in life. And sometimes that overtakes our mind, and that overtakes our mind so much that we can think of nothing else. But when we stop and we remember God's big picture of how he's been faithful to us again and again and again. And sometimes we need to remind our own hearts that and remind our brothers and sisters in Christ of the same. Do you remember God's faithfulness here and here and here? Some of us in the room are going to be prone to a melancholy spirit. You're prone to see the negative, prone to be discouraged. What you need is people in your life to help you remember. Help you remember of God's faithfulness. That you appeal to the mighty power, the right hand of God most high. Look at verse 12. These are, these are commands of what he's going to do in the future. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. It's the same idea, but not just these you're going to remember and just kind of think about them briefly. I'm going to ponder. I'm going to think deeply on them. I'm going to meditate on all the things you've done in the world. Your mighty deeds. Verse 13. The way of the Lord. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You see how the psalm begins? I cry to the Lord in the midst of my trouble. I can't even sleep. God, I wanted to, I wanted to be back then when things were good. To question the Lord's character. Is he good? Is he favorable? Is he, is he gracious? Will, he, will his anger for heaven is it shut off his compassion? To your way is holy. You are the God who works wonders. The Bible says, you have made known your might among the peoples. What God is like our God. This is why I love the Psalms. It's this heart 
of emotion, and it usually ends with this exaltation of the Lord, reminding us of who the Lord truly is, His character. His way is holy, meaning that God's way is perfect. And what He decides to do is perfect. Sometimes we don't understand God's plan. And sometimes God doesn't want us to understand His plan. We are creatures. And we can't put God in, in the place of uh, the, the, the defendant. God is the judge. We are the defendant. We look to him and answer when he speaks. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. And here what he's going to do, he's going he's to turn to the great story of redemption in Israel. You know, oftentimes with, uh, with preachers, we... Um, we sometimes want to get too cute, okay? And I think the psalmists don't do that. The psalmists continue to go back to the Exodus, how God freed the Israelites from Egypt. Again, the Exodus. Again, the Exodus. Again, the Exodus. Guess what you're going to hear again and again from this pulpit? Jesus Christ and his gospel. Jesus Christ and his gospel. Jesus Christ and his gospel. Because that is your greatest trouble. Your greatest trouble is against God himself. Your sin against a holy and just God. And what does he do? He sends forth his son to meet your greatest need. Jesus Christ swallowed up your, his, uh, the wrath against you on the cross, dead and buried, and rose on the third day, ascended to the right hand of God Almighty. He has met your greatest need. So even in the greatest day of trouble in your life, it is well with your soul. God has given you the gospel, Right? He gave Israel the exodus. If you think time was, was bad, it was, it was not as bad as when you were in slavery to Egypt. Your life today was never as bad when you were in slavery to your sin. And God has freed you by the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's what we see right here. He says, you, with you, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. And just listen to the power that we see of our God. How he, he controls all of nature. Everything is under his control. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. In the, indeed, the deep trembled. The waters parted in two. They were afraid of the Lord Almighty. The clouds poured out water. The, the skies gave forth thunder. Your eyes, your arrows flashed on every side, thinking of lightning. The crash of your thunder was in the world when your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. There is nothing bigger than the earth. There is nothing bigger than the seas and the mountains. And they all tremble before the Lord. And He is your God. He is in your midst. Your trials and struggles may be big, but we have to look at how big and great and glorious our God is. And when we do that, in comparison, our, our problems become very small. In comparison of the greatness of our God. That doesn't mean our problems are, are not big. Don't mishear me. If you're going through a trial right now that is, that is severe, or if you have a friend that's going through a trial right now that is severe, do not be trite. Do not go to them and say, all you need to do is have, have more faith in God. Weep with them. Walk with them and help them see the glory of God. Help them see God's hand even in the midst of this trial. 
Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You didn't see God himself appear, but we saw his hand all the time. And verse 20, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. We see there again, how does God move um, and how does God care for his people? God cares for his people through shepherds. He sees them here. Moses and Aaron led the people of Israel out of, out of Egypt. They led them to the promised land. This is God's design for the church. God wants to give shepherds who serve under Christ, the good shepherd, to help lead their people to the promised land. You know, the goal of all the elders here is that you would be happy in life and happy in death because you know the Lord Jesus Christ and you're holding fast to him. That is our life. That is our mission. We pray, we preach, so that you could be happy in God. And next Sunday night when you see Psalm 78, that is not the hope for just you, but that's the hope for our children. That the next generation would find their hope in God. I pray that you would pray for me and other shepherds that we would help lead the flock like Moses and Aaron. Away from sin. And to Christ. Beloved, we, we don't know what trials are coming down our, our way. In our own life, in the life of this church. But I pray that whatever comes, that we would not forget the mighty works of the Lord. God is powerful. Your way, O oh God, is holy. Who, What God is like our God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can say together, your way is holy. There is none like you. You are the one who works wonders. You have made known your, your might among all peoples. You have redeemed your people through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, I pray in the day of our trouble, that we would seek the Lord. And that we would remember who you are. That whatever comes our way, we belong to Christ. And that we would know that neither height nor depth, nor things above, nor things below, nor things present, nor things in the future, that nothing, that nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.